if you've got a meeting that you've recorded, you can just take out that snippet. They can still get the full recording, but at least they can just say, listen, this really is important that you take note of this. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse, and today my guest is Helen Tanetti. Helen, how are you? I am very well, thanks, Matt. How are you? I am doing super duper, except I got like a tiny bit of a cold. It's from my daughter's preschool. It's not the COVID, so it was good. So we got tested and everything. But, you know, I like to call it kennel cough. And people seem to think that's not good because you're talking about children. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I don't know what it's actually called. All I know is that I'm drinking tea and that's the good part. So you and your husband are a pair of digital nomads that work with growing accountancy practices to get real results from digital marketing efforts from companies. And as independent advisors, you map out where a company's digital market is going, what needs to be improved, and what you they need to do to achieve their sales and business goals, if I have that right. Yeah, that sounds correct. Uh, yeah, always the hardest thing in the world, isn't it, to kind of sum up everything that you do. can do it millions of times for clients. Always find it so difficult <laughs> for myself. People ask me what I'm like at a networking event. We have a full stack agency, right? So we have like, you know, 700 products. And they're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, we try and make people more money. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> Usually then they ask you how, and then you can kind of get into the whole thing. But let me ask you that. So why don't you tell us more about what you do? So thank you, Matt. I've been in the digital marketing game for about 15 years now. So I was really at the at the forefront. I remember when Facebook first came out, I was using other social networks long before Facebook or LinkedIn or anything was about. And I remember when right. Facebook evolved, I was like, wow, this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened. And of course, tried to then uh, did a lot of training and then a lot of clients asked me to come in and help them with their social media. And that was before Google as well, actually, funny enough. So it's interesting for me, I've been at the forefront of it evolving. And over the years, I've, well, I've dealt with a lot of very big different businesses. And we've really hit the sweet spot now. I've had some really good results where I work with accounting practices. And I really work well with accountants. And it's the strangest thing because I am so unmathematical and so number illiterate. It's not funny. But uh, my husband, thank goodness, who works in the agency is not like that at all. He is the other side. He's the real logical person who comes from a financial background, has worked with accountants most of his life. But So he looks after the sort of real numbers side. But I'm the more creative thinker. But I'm also... I'm very pragmatic and I, I like to speak in plain English. I don't use marketing terms. I just talk about getting results for your business. So I always look for, okay, so what's not working? Let's look at your sales process. Let's see where you where it's all failing because people always come to you and they say, oh, I need new leads. And I oh, well, do you really need new leads? <laughs> maybe you need to stop getting leads and maybe you just need to process the ones you've got and maybe you need to get more from the customers you've got. So we really look at their, their sales processes. But Everything we ever do is measured. So we measure it for are we on goal? Are we on target? And are we getting to the point where your marketing is not going to cost you money? It's going to make you money. So that's really what we ultimately want to do is 
keep them using us. So our job is to get them to make money from the marketing services that we provide. So, and as a digital advisor, I don't really do a lot of the work. I'm really the person who's almost like a, a virtual CEO or CMO. I go in and I work with them to make sure that we have a strategy and it's a 56 page document that I generally produce. It follows a specific format. And with that, then we make sure that do you do need more talent in your team? I mean, do you have the skills to deliver on this? And if you don't, let's get them in, even if it's for a short time frame. And, and then I also make sure that we are on target. So I have weekly meetings with them. They're called, we've got this meetings just to look at, have we got this? And we, then we do monthly sessions and quarterly sessions to set the targets and make sure we're staying on track. So that's how we work. And and then right. Right Behind the Scenes does all the tracking and measuring. So we've got agreed goals and we track and measure everything, whether they're latent or, or leading measures. We look at both. And the client generally wants the leading measures. They just generally want the big picture. They get a 24-hour dashboard that they can check all the time for their leading measures. And then anything else, if we need to dig down, we've got all the latent measures behind that. So we can go and dig down and see where things are working and not working. So that's kind of what I do as a job. <laughs> I mean, talking about people always wanting leads, that's pretty much every industry, right? Yeah. Everybody's leads, leads, leads all the time. But most of them, the kind of lowest hanging fruit for money is generating more sales from the customers they already have. And then number two is improving the process and follow up they have with the leads that they already have. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the thing that always amazes me, I do a talk at a lot of um, digital conferences over the years I've done, and it's all about inside out marketing. And this is what I talk about. I talk about go after the lowest hanging fruit. And one of the big things I talk about is set putting in place just a simple retargeting campaign. When anyone consuming your content to a certain degree, are you then retargeting them with stuff that's really applicable to them? You don't have to spend a lot. And now you've got low hanging fruit, especially people that are looking specifically at your website or anything. And it's amazing. Most people don't do this. They, they spend a lot of money trying to get brand new cold customers through the door. They still need to go through that full journey of, uh, of getting to like and trust you. Whereas actually you've got a whole bunch of people that actually know you. Maybe they don't trust you yet. Maybe you just need to gain their trust. You know, So that's one of the things we always put in place is remarketing campaigns. So important. Sorry, I can hours. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the same same thing comes with we see it a lot in e-commerce brands, too, where they don't have like abandoned cart set up or, you know, any kind of follow up or remarketing system or they're remarketing, just kind of blanket remarketing yes. instead of excluding the purchasers who already bought something. Right. Because you're just wasting money showing them more ads when they already bought something, you know, depending upon the buyer cycle. There's your hot tip for today, folks. If you're doing remarketing, exclude people who purchase something. So if you have people who purchase stuff every week from you, just exclude them for seven days. And with B2B customers, just exclude your existing customers from particular ads that you run to people with offers. Don't include your customers in it. You're right. And your team. Make sure your team are excluded, for goodness sake. You know, all the emails in your business. Amazing. A lot of people don't do that as well. Yeah. Those are excellent exclusions to save you lots of money. A good thing, we do a lot of work with people in the real estate world. Something that people do all the time is when they're a real estate agent is they forget to exclude real estate agents. You know, so if you're sending something out and you're trying to get new leads, you don't want it going to all of the other real estate agents in your city, right? You're just wasting money on those and they're hitting the hide button on them, right? Try and, you know, knock your ads down and notch and, you know, or they're commenting on them with their own, you know, contact information and stuff. So anyways, I've, what I really wanted to talk to you about today was 
and 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 how we kind of originally got connected was that you were speaking about becoming a digital nomad at 55. Now, did you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I know it kind of got put on hold for a little bit because of the whole coronavirus thing. So why don't you tell me how that started? So I suppose it's the age thing as well. We've got to an age where we've lost a couple of friends, you know, not carelessly, but through death. Um, they've died through cancer or something's taken them. And they've been very close friends of ours. And last year we lost one final friend, Karen. And, you know, Karen had cancer and died and she had lived her life very fully. But we just kind of thought, you know, before we get too old, why don't we do something different? And I am a risk taker anyway. I'm, a, I'm probably a restless human being. I uh, you know, I'm desperate to see the world. I'm desperate to meet people. I, I like being in touch with people from all over the world. I think it changes your life and your perspective. So I thought, how are we going to do this? How can we make this happen, you know, without getting on a cruise ship, which doesn't appeal to me in the slightest, and without being tourists forever? Because I'm, I'm not really interested in being a tourist forever either. So we kind of thought about it. And I went to a conference for house sitters and pet sitters. So you can look after people's homes and pets while they're away. You do it as a free service. You do it for free. They get a pet sitter in the house. So their animals are loved and cared for while they're away without having big kennel fees or the psychology of an animal going to a kennel, which they generally don't like. And we get to stay in their home and they come home and everybody's happy because we make sure we take care of the garden, water the plants and things as well. So it's a reciprocal relationship. And we love this idea because we love the idea of seeing the world through neighborhoods and not seeing the world through hotels or you know, I just love this idea of living where people live. And so we, even with the UK, because we had to put it on hold, we were going to go to America. Sorry, I digress. We were, we were set up. The first place we were visiting was the States. And we had some wonderful sits set up. But that never happened because Corona hit and we got stuck in different places. But anyway, eventually we decided, well, let's not give up. Let's do what we were going to do anyway. But let's just do it within the UK. And it's really been lovely. It's been a great way for us to test it and travel around the UK and see parts of the UK we'd never have seen otherwise. It's been wonderful. And we've got some wonderful pets. But the most important thing is we can work as well while we're doing this. So when we get to a new house, we have to have Wi-Fi. That's about the only proviso we need is good Wi-Fi. And we set ourselves up and we can work. So, you know, we've got fairly structured days and we work every day. So it's not just a lot of people think, oh, they tell us, go here and go there. And you must go and see that. And we always have to remind people, listen, we're not on holiday. We're here to live and enjoy the local area. Go to the local park. Are you at someone else's house right now? I am. Nice. I'm in someone else's home. <laughs> That's so interesting. Man. So, you know, this completely reminds me of a couple of things. One thing, we we just did some work with a charity called Answer to Cancer that helps people who have been recently diagnosed with cancer so that they can find information on treatments and stuff like that so that uh, they can have better outcomes, right? That's answertocancer.org if anybody's interested in that. But also a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Travis Bell, who I'm not sure if you've heard of. He's the bucket list guy. Oh, yeah. okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, he did the TED talk on how to live your bucket list instead of waiting till you retire. Yes. And, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, I, I'm from Canada, but I live in the United States right now. So I mean, I've traveled a little bit, but yeah, so we were talking and I was like, you know, I got to tell you, Travis, there's this road that I go drive down every single day and I can see this mountain right in the distance called Mount Hood. And 19 years I've been telling myself I'm going to go up this damn mountain I still haven't done it right and he's like well you better do it now and now you got to send me a photo and everything so anyways last weekend Carrie and I and and a friend of ours and and their daughter we went up 
to Mount Hood and we rented a cabin and we went up to the mountain. It was great. And uh, it was something, it was like a two hour drive, right? And 19 years I lived here, I never went up two hours to go up the mountain, right? So, yeah. You know, it's so funny, we can travel the world. We'll go and see the most fabulous places. But on our doorstep, we always say tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> and we don't do anything about it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I know this lady that lives here in kind of the Portland metro area, and she'd never been to Washington State. And I mean, it's literally like across a bridge. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's connected to the city. And I was like, man, you just, just like go to Seattle, like book a hotel or something, like drive up there. I mean, and she finally did. She was so excited. I mean, she had never been more than 100 miles from the town she was born in. Right. And amazing how, you know, it can widen your viewpoint, especially when you go to other countries and there's people with different cultures. And, and you know, when you go to some of the even some of I, I shouldn't just specifically say this about larger countries, but I mean, the East Coast and the West Coast of Canada or like the North and South and East and West of the United States are completely different cultures. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They might as well be different countries in some cases. Right. And, they, and England, where I'm in, it's the same. You know, there's, a, there's, there's quite a big divide between North and South as well. So, yeah. It does exist. And it's a small country. Man, I mean, you meet people and they have different viewpoints and, you know, and you also find out that everywhere you go, everybody loves their kids. Right. So, you know, there shouldn't be this big uh, divide between people so much. But yeah, I agree with you. And I've traveled, I've traveled in lots of places and I agree with you that there's more to unite us than divide us. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the media plays on what divides us. But actually, the truth is that we all have very similar things that we want in our lives. And, and from business right. as well, it's the same thing. Generally, we want the same thing for our businesses, wherever we go. Yeah, everybody wants leads. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's right. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it always comes back to that story where the, the guy and his son are standing in line at the bank and the kid looks over at the table with all the gifts on it and says, what are those? His dad says, oh, those are the gifts if you get a new account. And he goes, well, what do you get? <laughs> That's the way people treat their leads, right? Is they're like, they will spend $500 to get a, a new lead, but they won't spend like five bucks on a thank you card for somebody who's already their customer. Or pick up the phone. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. So true. So if somebody wants to become a, a digital nomad, what do you think is kind of the starting point there? So I think the starting point is, first of all, being able to work remotely. I mean, no matter what you do, you've got to be able to work remotely. If, if you're not financially independent, you have to be able to work remotely. So there's lots of opportunities to do that as well. So if you've got skill, if certain skills that you can, you know, whether they're administrative skills, marketing skills, there's lots of opportunity, even accounting, anything. There's lots of opportunity to work online. But I suppose that's the first starting point is you've got to be able to do this online thing if you don't have the money to do it independently. Second thing is you can go to sites like Trusted House Sitters, House Sitters UK, House Sitters America, even neighborhood pages on Facebook. And you can just offer to do some house sitting on neighborhood pages. That's a great way to start. Don't give up your whole life if you're not sure you're going to love it. Why don't you just try it? You know, instead of going on holiday this year, why don't you do a house sit in France for three weeks? Go and look after somebody else's dogs and house for free and go and enjoy it and see if it's something that you would like. Because some people find it a bit icky. They think, oh, I don't want to live in somebody else's house. So, you know, if you're that kind of person, you wouldn't enjoy it because there's no getting away from it. Even if you do Airbnb, at the end of the day, it's still someone else's home. Yeah. Well, they're going to clean their house more if they know you're coming. Yeah, yes and no. But <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Sometimes, no. I can't cleaning stuff. It's okay. <laughs> 
the other thing is when you travel a bit more, you start to care less about those things, you know? Like I was pretty germ paranoid when I was younger. I came to the United States and I was like thinking that it's just going to be like smog everywhere. (laughs) And like, it's like wall to wall, New York city kind of thing, which it totally is not. Right. I live in Oregon and I was like, man, this is such a, like a huge city and there's so much pollution and garbage. It's like the cleanest place, (laughs) you know, in the United States. But you know, when you come from Canada, everything there's no people there right so yeah, that's right. i think it's one person for every like 35 square kilometers or something so it's just massive amounts of empty space which is good and bad anything's crowded anything's crowded then yeah so the first thing you can do is if you've got to want to do this so i think you know it's not for everybody i don't think being a digital nomad is for everybody but some people could do it part-time they don't have to do it full-time they could do it part-time it's a good good solution for a starting solution Yeah. You know, I know a guy's a mortgage broker locally. And so they are working a hundred percent remote right now. And he says they, they're not sure if they're ever going to kind of reopen the office. They have to have an office because it's part of their, part of the legality for the mortgage company. But, you know, they had a a beach home kind of out on the coast that they would rent out. And instead of renting it out, they just moved there. So he like literally lives at the beach now because he doesn't have to go into the office and he loves it. Right. And uh, if he needs to come back for a meeting or something, uh, you know, it's an hour and a half drive or whatever. But, Doesn't matter. you know, boo-hoo. it's better than the 30 minutes used to drive to and from the office every day, five days a week. Right. Because that was five hours a week. So if you spend three hours to come into the office for a meeting once a month, you're still way ahead of the game. Yeah, you definitely are. I think what you've also got to be used to is you can't be someone who really likes to have a very structured life. You've got to kind of go with the flow a little bit because sometimes things happen and maybe something gets cancelled. And lucky enough, I don't get stressed about that kind of stuff. So, you know, you've got a plan B somewhere along the line. We don't have a home. I mean, we have a home in Spain, but we don't have a home in the UK. So, you know, our plan, our plan B is somebody's couch if necessary. But otherwise, we've got money, so we can always get a hotel. You know, that's not the end of the world. We, we financially independent as well, but we can always go and stay with family. We've got lots of families. So you've got to have a plan B. You know, we're planning to move. Technically, we're going to migrate back and forth, kind of like the snowbird idea. I don't know if you have that same phrase there, but we will be moving back and forth from Canada to the U.S., you know, for my work. And and Carrie works with us, too. But our primary residence is going to be in Nova Scotia. And it's going to be tough during like coronavirus time, right, because they have quarantine in Canada. So every time I come back from the United States, I have to have two weeks of quarantine. So I went, I basically, I just went and talked to all of my local clients who had hired us because they wanted someone local, (laughs) right? And said, look, you know, I'm going to come back, you know, at least quarterly, if not more, but I'm not going to be able to do that until quarantine's over, right? And we're pretty much meeting all the months Zoom right now anyway. So, you know, nobody really cares that much. You know, if nothing else, I think this this time, I mean, you know, I haven't loved it at all, but I think there's one thing that has happened in this time is it has forced the hand of businesses to think about doing things online that we're reluctant. You know, some I've got some clients that are so reluctant to do anything online, as in they do a lot online, but not meetings or anything. So it's really forced their hand. And I, I think that's a good thing. It does give it, it allows people to work online that maybe thought that they couldn't before. It's funny when, you know, like the business networking groups I used to go to that were in person are online now and they're just shocked that they're they're like trying to fill up extra time because they get them done so quick. Right. And like, well, it's weird, right? Because everybody's on time pretty much right <laughs> within the first few minutes. There's nobody who's late because of the traffic or whatever. Right. And there's people jibber jabbering with each other in the meeting and that because they can do it on the chat while the meeting's going. Right. 
And if you put your contact, you need to send something to everybody. You don't have to print 30 copies. You just stick it in the chat, right? And you email it out, whatever. Same with meetings. I mean, meetings are getting done faster. We've been, our company's been remote forever. I mean, we've always been remote. So I think that companies who aren't used to it have a difficulty getting over the hurdle. They think, well, we're going to be losing you know, people's concentration, they're going to work on something else during the meeting, which people already worked on other stuff during meetings anyways. I don't know how many corporate meetings you've been in, but man, people are trying to hide their phone in their pocket or <laughs> they're like scribbling on their, uh, typing on their computer, pretending they're taking notes when they're just writing something else to someone else. They're answering their email, you know, purging their mailbox. They're just repeating the last thing that the presenter said. So it looks like they're paying attention and the meetings were worthless, right? Most of them, most of those meetings could have been an email, right? But nobody's embracing all the good stuff that you have about Zoom and, and, and other technologies, right? Like maybe if you need three or four people's input in a meeting, but you need 30 other people to know what happened in the meeting, just have the three or four people come to the meeting and then send the recording to the other 30 people. You don't have to have 34 people in the meeting. There's all kinds of ways and you can transcribe your meetings and then you can email out what happened in the meeting so people can search it. And, you know, you can send out, you know, your files and data that you need for the meetings. And if it's, you know, something like a shareholder meeting or something like that, where you have to have it, just record it and send it to everyone. There's all kinds of ways to do this stuff. You end up going to a meeting often and, you know, five minutes of that meeting applies to you, especially in the corporate environment. But you have to sit, you know, an hour's meeting to get five minutes. And as you say, if you've got a meeting that you've recorded, you can just take out that snippet. They can still get the full recording, but at least they can just say, listen, this really is important that you take note of this. And people people can go in and out of Zoom rooms, right? You could have a meeting agenda where you need 10 people at the start, two people who come in at 1215, two people who come in at 1230 and they leave after 15 minutes. And you can bang out all those meetings with all the staff all at one time who come on just for the part that they need to be instead of having them there for the whole two hours. And you record it. Wonderful. Yeah. And you record it. And then there's none of this arguing about who said what during the meeting and whose fault was it that Bob didn't do the thing <laughs> and, you know, that kind of crap. Right. Because you got to record it. Yeah. Much better. Much better. Get your meetings online, people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a better way to go. So. Let me ask you this for your agency, it's accountancy practices. Is that like accountants, bookkeepers, like who is it that you like to work with? Accountancy practices are generally between 10, between 10 and 30 people that target very really local businesses. So they want to meet a specific geographic area. So they want businesses around them that are local. And they might, as you say, with some of your clients as well, they might have other offices in other cities and other parts of the country. But that's primarily the way they work. They like to work with local businesses. So that's who we like. And they want to grow. They want to maximize their return. And actually, they're doing a little bit of marketing, but it's kind of a bit haphazard. They've got budget for it. They've got somebody who's doing a bit of it, but they're not really getting any guidance and they're not getting any steer. So they, they don't really understand and they're not confident about what they're doing because they, they're not really getting the right information from the CEO who often, in my experience, doesn't give direction because they don't really have a clue. <laughs> they're like, oh, I want to. <laughs> so I help them. Fantastic. And so if somebody wants to work with you or they want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? So the best is probably through LinkedIn. If it's a business, Helen Tonetti, I'm quite T-O-N-E-T-T-I. I'm quite unusual, my surname. So I do come up in searches. So you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook under Make Digital Work as well. So I'm all over social. 
I'm on Instagram. But yeah, I, I suppose for businesses to get hold of me, LinkedIn is usually a good starting point. And just send me a DM and and we can we can take it from there. I'm also not a high pressure salesperson. I never ever I just don't do any of that nonsense. People work with you when they're ready to work with you. And I'm very happy to give advice. I'm one of those people up to a point. I won't do it for mad amounts of time, but certainly if someone's got a big question they want, I can answer those as well. Perfect. And we'll have those in the show notes. You can get the show notes at hookseo.com slash podcast. And Helen, thank you so much for being on today and teaching our people about how they can become digital nomads and how we can improve everyone's meetings. Yes. And yeah, and that applies with LinkedIn. That applies to if you've got questions about being a digital nomad, please drop them in there as well. Happy to answer them. For sure. And how to how to get out pet sitting. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right, Helen, have a great day and uh, we'll talk again soon. It's been lovely to talk to you and good luck with your move, Matt. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.